Dr. Gay, a Harvard student calling for the mass murder of African Americans is not protected free speech at Harvard, correct? Our commitment to it's free speech... It's a yes speech. or no question. Is that corrected? Is that okay for students to call for the mass murder of African Americans at Harvard? Is that protected free speech? Our commitment to free speech It's a yes extends. or no question. Let me ask you this. You are president of Harvard, so I assume you're familiar with the term intifada, correct? I've heard that term, yes. And you understand that the use of the term intifada in the context of the Israeli-Arab conflict is indeed a call for violent armed resistance against the state of Israel, including violence against civilians and the genocide of Jews. Are you aware of that? That type of hateful speech is personally abhorrent to me. And there have been multiple marches at Harvard with students chanting, quote, there is only one solution, intifada revolution, and, quote, globalize the intifada. Is that correct? I've heard that thoughtless, reckless, and hateful language on our campus, yes. So based upon your testimony, you understand that this call for intifada is to commit genocide against the Jewish people in Israel and globally, correct? I will say again, that type of hateful speech is personally abhorrent to me. Do you believe that type of hateful speech is contrary to Harvard's code of conduct, or is it allowed at Harvard? It is at odds with the values of Harvard. Can you but not say here that it is also, against the code of conduct at Harvard? We embrace a commitment to free expression, even of views that are objectionable, offensive, hateful. It's when that speech crosses into conduct that violates our policies against bullying, harassment, Does that speech and not cross that barrier? Does that speech not call for the genocide of Jews and the elimination of Israel? Well, that was the voice of Congresswoman Elise Stefanik. Uh, she just knocked it out of the ballpark this week when she was grilling the presidents of Harvard. That was Claudia Gay, president of Harvard that you just heard, the president of MIT, and the president of Penn, the University of Pennsylvania. Uh, we'll talk about this a little further with Bruce at the end of the show, but I'm going to get into this with our guest today for the second day, Shoshana Bryan, who's the senior director of the Jewish Policy Center in Washington, D.C., will be joining us. It's another fascinating discussion, and we'll be, we will be talking about what's happening on college campuses. Preborn is trying to help moms, and it is helping them, not to make this horrific mistake that many of them will regret for the rest of their lives, and that is the taking of their own baby's life. They're providing ultrasounds, Preborn is, with your help, so that moms can make a better choice, can make a life-giving choice, both for them and for their baby. It's $28 per ultrasound. It's Christmas time. What a wonderful time to give to such a wonderful ministry. Go to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy. And make your most generous donation. Well, this is Sandy Rios 24-7. And you know you can call us at 662 621-2040. That's 662-821-2040. You can email us at sandy at afr.net. You can catch us on any of these social media sites. Sandy Rios 24-7 is our Facebook page. And at Sandy Rios Tweet, if you're a tweeter, you can find out what I'm tweeting on pretty much on a daily basis. You can find us on all podcast platforms. AFR.net is our home ship. And we are so grateful when you do that. All right, so now... Sit back, take your pencil and paper, and uh, put your thinking cap on, and we're going to go back to the object, the subject of Israel and what's happening now in our country with Shoshana Bryan on today's edition of Sandy Rios 24-7. From American Family Radio, Sandy Rios. We are not called to be nice. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. I think the most important thing we need to demonstrate to our children is genuineness. That we actually believe what we say we believe. A longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. Seek justice. Not social justice, but God's justice. What's right and what's wrong. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. We've got to say this is the line. Life is sacred. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up. Speak up. Say something. Do something. 
the people of Gaza only decided to break the siege, the walls of the concentration camp on October 7th. And yes, I was happy to see people breaking the siege and throwing down the shackles of their own land and walk free into their lands that they were not allowed to walk in. And yes, the people of Gaza have the right to self-defense, have the right to defend themselves. And yes, Israel as an occupying power does not have that right to self-defense. Gaza became the liberation source, the inspiration for people. Gaza transformed many minds around the world, including people who are not Muslim. What kind of faith these people have? They are thankful. They're not afraid. And Israel did not scare them because they knew that their heaven is in Gaza. And they, if they would like to die, they will go to another heaven. That is the faith of the people of Gaza. And that's why Gaza and the people of Gaza were able to transform everyone who's watching. They have learned from these people. And those who felt bad for Gaza, they don't understand the equation. Those who thought that the Gazans are less than those who can help them, they are mistaken. They are mistaken. The Gazans were the victorious. All right, that was the executive director of the Council on American-Islamic Relations. His name is Nihad Awad. He said that recently. He thinks what happened on October 7th was just fine. He's celebrating it. Uh, They were were the victors. Now, CARE has been the mouthpiece for the um, Muslim Brotherhood here in this country, and it doesn't go by that. It's like the Islamic Student Foundation. There's a whole series of organizations they represent, and they appeared shortly after 9-11 uh, to uh, to force foist upon us this notion of Islamophobia and to twist uh, the whole facts of the matter. Uh, there's a long story about that. I won't get sidetracked, but he's still alive and well, and CARE seems to be doing very well in the United States right now. My guest is Shoshana Bryan. She is the Senior Director of the Jewish Policy Center. This is our second day with Shoshana because I just one day wasn't enough. Uh, she knows all about what's happening in Israel. We talked about that. You'll want to listen to the first episode. And so, Shana, before we forget what he actually said, I just want to know your comments on what um, Nihad Iwad just said. He's delusional, and that's part of the problem of the Muslim Brotherhood, of Hamas, of the Iranians. First of all, to call what happened to his own people, to the people of Gaza, to call that a victory for them. I think is disgusting. Okay, the people of Gaza are paying a heavy price for the fact that Hamas is there. Whether they support Hamas or they don't support Hamas, the people of Gaza are paying a heavy price. And then to call the rape and murder, and as I said to you yesterday, Sandy, they baked a baby in an oven in front of his parents in Gaza, in in Israel. To call that a victory of any sort, to call the rape of girls, to call the shooting of parents, to call the orgy of violence that they did in Israel against the Jewish people and other people, they weren't all Jews, to call that a victory of some sort is just disgusting and delusional. That's it. If they think they're going to wipe Israel out this way, uh, that's delusional. Yeah. I want to add, just uh, before we move on, just a side note to people listening that last part, when he was talking about uh, that the heaven, heaven, Gaza is heaven, and they know by doing what they've done, they're going to another heaven, and it's a great victory. He's talking about Islamic, uh, I guess, doctrine, you could say, about the when they c- commit jihad or kill or murder Jews or infidels, uh, they believe that when they die as a martyr, they'll go to heaven and have uh, a number of virgins. That's their, that's their doctrine. And that's what he's talking about. They have something better ahead, another heaven. That's why... They are doing what they're doing. But uh, Shoshana, to bring this back home, uh, this CARE operates in the United States of America. So how is this administration responding to this statement? Okay. Again, I've said this before. The administration is rhetorically very good. 
They denounced what he said. They, um, this is where it gets interesting. They removed his name from a report, but the report itself is interesting. The Biden administration had a commission to write a U.S. national strategy to counter anti-Semitism. They brought a bunch of experts from around the country to talk about the problems in anti-Semitism, what the U.S. government could do to help mitigate this. And this was all before October 10th. On this commission was CARE. So they brought a Muslim Brotherhood, by nature anti-Semitic and certainly anti-Israel, organization into the White House national strategy to counter anti-Semitism. That was a huge failure by itself. Because what CARE wanted was to separate anti-Semitism, anti-Judaism from anti-Zionism. They wanted permission to be anti-Israel, anti-Zionist, anti-the concept of a Jewish state for Jewish people. And the administration let them do that. Israel is not mentioned in the White House paper on anti-Semitism. Along (laughs) Israel, it says that's a State Department problem. Anti-Semitism is about... Jewish people, that's an American problem. So CARE got exactly what it wanted from that National Commission. So now the White House says, oh, well, what he said this week is unacceptable. So we're never going to deal with him again, and we're going to take CARE's name off the commission. No. No. To be honest, to be forthright, the administration has to convene a new commission without anti-Semites on it. So Throwing, t- taking his name off, erasing his name from the commission does not help. It just hides or tries to hide the administration's complicity in the creation of that document. Well, they're the other thing is, the administration. Just they're, g- only, they're only a tenth of the way to where they need to be on this. Well, and also for perspective, CARE was named a co-conspirator in the Holy Land Foundation terrorist case, and they were, like, extrapolated uh, from FBI use, they were blackballed, they were labeled a terrorist organization. Even Chuck Schumer uh, said that they had ties to terrorism at the time. And so they have not been mm-hmm. embraced, I guess, until Obama became a president again. And now suddenly they're in fate. Well, maybe it's not. I want to be accurate here. Uh, my feelings are that they're, they're still in favor. But uh, as you said, the the White House seems to be saying the right things. But I'm very skeptical. I always said, I always say this about President Trump when... People would, uh, I just say, don't listen to what a man says. Watch what he does. Watch what he does. Chalk is cheap. You can say anything. Watch what people do. And that's what we have to watch with our president right now. And to Schumer, could you say a word? Because now I have this uh, clip of Chuck Schumer. um, Oh, he has praises for, uh, I don't have the full quote here. I am honored to have the opportunity to acknowledge the exemplary work of the Council on American-Islamic Relations. I applaud CARE. He said that just recently, in 2015, after saying in 2003 that CARE were terrorists. You want to say a word about Chuck Schumer? Chuck Schumer is going with the flow. By 2015, Barack Obama was president, and he had brought the Muslim Brotherhood into the halls of the White House. By the way, I, I started our conversation in the previous program talking about Egypt and how long it took Egypt to get the Muslim Brotherhood out of a position of power in Egypt. Barack Obama invited Muslim Brotherhood people to the speech that he gave in Cairo, and the Egyptians went crazy. We spent all this time getting rid of these people, and now you're bringing us these people. But Barack Obama brought them in. Chuck Schumer saw the change in the wind pattern. And if the president of the United States was going to bring care in, he wasn't going to keep them out. And that's where he is today. Now, by this afternoon, he will echo the White House and say, oh, no, no, we don't want to deal with them. But he's going where the wind blows. Yeah. Can you help us understand, you know, there are two great divides, there's two great divides in, well, at least two, in Islam, and that's uh, the, the the Sunnis and the Shias. And Sunni is, is um, well, Muslim Brotherhood are Sunni, uh, and right. all the outlets we see mostly in this country are the Sunni branch, and they've been bitter enemies for centuries. So Shia, the Iranian Iranians are different branch, different relatives of Muhammad, and they are they've been enemies of the Sunni branch for years. Now, though, we have uh, Hamas uh, being funded and encouraged 
however you want to describe the relationship, Iran is behind all of this, and they are Shia. And Barack Obama was all Shia. So explain that. Can you explain that? How do we explain that they're suddenly yeah. out, not suddenly, but now that they're allies? No, it's not suddenly. It's 40 years old. Okay. Okay. The Sunnis are people who come from the direct descent of the Prophet Muhammad. Today, that means um, the king of Morocco is a direct descendant. The king of Jordan is a direct descendant. Those are Sunnis. Shiites are descendants and followers of Muhammad's son-in-law, Ali, Shia Ali, followers of Ali. Shiites represent about 15% max of the total Muslim population in the world. Sunnis are about 85%. When the Iranian mullahs took over Iran in 1978, they thought about this. 15% of the world's Muslims, it's not enough. We can't uh, control the world. We can't even control Islam with 15%. So what they did was they said to the Sunnis, including the Muslim Brotherhood, we have overarching enemies. Yes, we hate each other. There was the Iran-Iraq war. That was Sunnis and Shias in the 1980s. Yes, we have our problems, you and us, but we have overarching problems, and that's the West. And we'll help you with the West. And so they fund not only Shia militias, but they fund Sunni militias. Not only Shia terrorism, but they fund Sunni terrorism on the grounds that it helps them spread Islam across the world, and they plan to control all of this. Um, One of the reasons that Saudi Arabia, which is a bastion of Sunni um, Islam, hates the Iranian mullahs, is that Saudi Arabia controls Mecca and Medina, two of the holy cities of Islam. The Iranians want that control. They have attacked Saudi Arabia. They use the Houthi uh, Shiite rebels to attack Saudi Arabia, to attack Egypt, which is a Sunni country. They want control of Jerusalem, Mecca, and Medina, and that's only for starters. But they make common cause with Sunni militias against the West and against oh. Israel. But that's okay. only 40 years old, by the way. And that should tell you that Iran is the heart of every single problem you have raised. Well, Iran let me just is the seat of evil in the region, and that should be understood by Americans. Yes, and let's let's talk about that. I just want to make a point that the 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 explanation you just gave is basically that military doctrine or doctrine of dictators, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, and so that's that's basically Absolutely. what's happening here. Wow, what a discussion! And we'll get back to it in just a second, I promise. But I want to take a moment to ask you some important medical care questions that could really save your life. Does your particular medical plan allow you to choose your doctors? And Does your doctor, your own doctor, provide the best treatment for your illness? Are you sure? Or is it your doctor sold out to medicine uh, and big pharma, you know, the, the people that make money from medicines? I have never been so more suspicious of that than I have been after, after COVID. We saw a travesty there. Now we need answers, and we know a little bit more than we knew before, and that's why I strongly recommend Christian Healthcare Ministries. When you enroll with chministries.org slash Sandy, you will have the freedom to choose doctors who share your values and will not withhold the proper treatment because they're sold out. CH Ministries is affordable. It's the longest serving, or you might say the first and original cost-sharing ministry. It's assisted members with nearly $10 billion in medical bills. It's not a small entity. CHministries.org slash Sandy members have access to 24-7 telehealth services at absolutely no additional cost. You know, it's no surprise why doctors appreciate working with CHM, and you will too. Make the switch today by visiting chministries.org slash Sandy. And with any time enrollment, you can sign up today and be in a community of believers that will pay and pray for you. chministries.org slash Sandy. Okay, so Iran is behind, is the puppet master, it seems. I, I don't, uh, is Iran, can you help, I hope this isn't too, many, too much of the weeds for our listeners, but is Iran, what's re, Iran's relationship with Qatar? Because Qatar is... Iran's relationship, great yeah. question. Iran's relationship with Qatar, because Qatar carries water for Iran, but Qatar has also been um, an ally to the United States in some ways. We call them now a major non-NATO ally, which I think is a terrible designation. They are, in fact, a terrorist-supporting Sunni country. But they also had problems 
with Iran. They were afraid that the Iranians would take them over and kill them all. There's not very many people in Qatar, a very small place. So instead of allowing themselves to be overrun by Iran and overrun by Shiites, they made peace with them. And they said, look, leave us alone and we'll do things for you because we can go to places you can't go. We can do things you can't do. We can talk to people you can't talk to, including the United States. So they are the, I don't know, the lapdog, the water fountain. I don't know what you want to call them. But they create a face for Iran in places that Iran can't go. And so what's their and role? we allow in, that, by the way. What, we, what's, we the, that. what's their role in what's happening in Israel with Hamas? Two things. First of all, they allow Hamas leadership to live in Qatar, in great luxury, by the way. And if you ever worry about poor people in, in Gaza who don't have enough to eat, uh, their leadership lives in Doha, Qatar, and they live very well. Allowing Hamas to live there has allowed the United States to talk to Hamas. So it's a private channel to Hamas. We've, we've used it. U.S. intelligence has used it. On occasion, I suspect the Israelis have used it because Qatar will um, talk to Israel because Iran can't. Qatar has been the avenue by which foreign aid is delivered into Gaza because Iran can't put money in there. So Qatar comes with money, and they go into the Gaza Strip with the permission of the Israelis until recently. So they're kind of a conduit. They're a, they're a Hamas face as much as they are an Iran face. That explains right things to me. they are the interlocutor w- for um, conversations about hostages. Yeah, okay. Well, that explains. I did, I'm glad you explained that. It's very complicated, as everything is everywhere right now, not just the Middle East. It's complicated everywhere. Let's come back to home again. And sure. we are having so many problems on college campuses. They seem to be... I don't want to take away from the demonstrations in the major cities, but they seem to be the hotbed, the heart and soul of anti-Semitism demonstrations and the calls for, you know, Antifada, et cetera. And so earlier this week, there were hearings uh, in uh, in the U.S. Con- uh, Congress, in the House of Representatives. Lee Stefanik was the person who I think shown the most in terms of the back and forth. And the presidents of Harvard, MIT, and Penn were all put on the hot seat. Well, um, let's just say I think Elise Stefanik did a wonderful job. It's the, She was just stellar in the way she pinned them down on what's happening on their campuses. And so, uh, Shoshana, there's a lot to say about this. But first of all, where is this hatred of Israel coming from that seems to suddenly have appeared in the last few years on college campuses? Okay. <clears throat> it has not appeared in the last few years. It's been digging in for a generation. <clears throat> There's a great book your listeners might want to read. It's called The Israel Test by a man named George Gilbert. And it talks about the roots of left-wing anti-capitalist ideology melding with um, Arabs and anti-Israel and anti-Semitic ideology and why people who are anti-capitalist are very often anti-Semitic. And this is a whole other story. But it suffice to say that over the generations, since probably in the 1960s, maybe earlier. Those groups of people have been working together on various things. You hear the word intersectionality. It means people who have very little in common getting together. What does a gay and lesbian group have in common with Hamas? Actually, they should be enemies because homosexuality is illegal in the Gaza Strip. They throw people off buildings. If they find out you're gay, they take you to the 10th floor and they throw you off. Okay? So why would you have an organization called Queers for Palestine, which you do have? Only because at the broadest level, which is anti-this and anti-that and anti-capitalist and anti-American and anti-Semitic, they agree on that. So (laughs) college campuses, by the way, some of this is um, ginned up and paid for with Qatari money. Look at where... Contributions from Qatar have gone into American college campuses. Also, left-wing money into college campuses. Money is money. So you have this um, amalgam of, of people with unpleasant agendas. Ask yourself how the first college campus um, demonstrations against Israel took place before Israel entered Gaza. 
because the intersectionalists said, we need to gin up our people. This is a great opportunity to dump on Israel. And so they did. And that's what you have. So then you get to your hearings and you have college presidents who, first of all, have been rolling in this foreign money and domestic money, but mostly left-wing money, for decades. They don't want to lose the money. They don't want to irritate their donors. They don't want to irritate the benefactors with billions. And that's how you get that hearing and the bizarre things those college presidents said. Let me just pause for a second, and let's play. This is a short clip, but it illustrates what you just said, Shoshana. Here it is, clip five. Qatar is one of the biggest donors to American universities. They're also Hamas's most significant financial back, giving them over $1.8 billion in funding. Let's look at just a few examples taken from the U.S. Department of Education. Qatar donated to Georgetown University more than $173 million. To Cornell, they donated more than $600 million. Northwestern University received only $129 million. Texas A&M received almost $386 million. Carnegie Mellon received the generous gift of $300 million. So, Next time you see this on campus. Just follow the money. Well, I thought that illustrated well what you said, um, Shoshana. So it's always, now, it's always that, isn't it? Follow the money. It is always that. It is amazing to me how corrupt people, I, we see this, you and I, in D.C., we've been seeing it since I can remember, and I, it's just gotten worse. It's just so repulsive. It happens in states. It's just that, well, I guess mankind never changes. You know, corruption is just the same from generation to generation. But let's talk about that hearing. Elise Stefanik is the House GOP chairman, and she was one of the, the most effective questioners, I think, in the hearing a few days ago of the presidents of Harvard, MIT, and Penn uh, she really grilled them, and they did not perform well. But I'd like to know what you thought about it, Shoshana. Things we you saw that we might not have uh, might not have, have, have observed. First of all, um, I would suggest that they get a little bit of civics education and read the First Amendment to the Constitution of the United States, because they kept saying we were very aware of our First Amendment issues and free speech, and people have to be allowed to speak, and people have to be allowed. The First Amendment to the Constitution of the United States does not permit threats and harassment. It doesn't. And Supreme Courts over the generations have codified the fact that the First Amendment does not protect threats, intimidation, and harassment. And that's what you have on these college campuses, threat, direct threats to Jewish students, intimidation of Jews, intimidation of pro-Israel people. So the first thing is the college presidents were simply wrong on the fact. Secondly, even if they wanted to pretend that this has to do with the First Amendment, if you remember a couple months ago or weeks ago or whatever, people were talking about microaggressions and how you could inadvertently say something and set off um, paroxysms of, of, of upset among the students. And if you make a mistake in the wording or the wrong pronoun and microaggression, those things allowed for the cancellation of a lot of conservative speakers on college campuses around the country. It allowed for students to go into speeches by conservatives if they got on college campus, go into those speeches and demonstrate against them, shout them down, get rid of them. So free speech was not an issue on college campuses. All of a sudden, we're talking about Jews and we're talking about the intimidation of Jewish students. And suddenly they all jump up and say free speech. It is not free speech. It was appalling that the people who are responsible for major institutions in the United States either believe it's free speech to intimidate Jews and threaten them, or they don't believe it. It's even worse that they don't believe it, but they say it because they're getting paid. Well, you know, they were so cavalier and arrogant, too. That's what was, well, it's a typical academia. They've got an answer for everything, which is, a, you know, it's just words, words, words. And Elise kept asking them, "Are you, you're saying that this is... Isn't this, is this against your policy to call for um, antifada or to call for from the river to the sea? Uh, uh, yes, I've just blanked out. Palestine. But Palestine, Palestine uh, river to the sea, yes. Yes, uh, So, which means, you know, eradicating, killing Jews. That's all right, they can say that. Yes, it's speech, it's free speech. The irony, I thought, Shoshana, is that one of them actually brought up uh, Charlottesville, uh, the... Um, 
the famous neo-Nazi, mm-hmm. that's how they describe it, march. And they were call, they were reminding people of what uh, was said there. It was like something about we will not be replaced or it was something pretty mild compared yeah. to and they were clay, and they were very appalled by that, and people should be punished by that. But that was just speech. I don't think anybody on that day, you know, got you know actually tried to replace anyone or stop someone from replacing them. So they contradicted themselves, even in the hearing. And there has been some blowback. Um, in fact, let me just play something. There is a a truck driving around the University of Pennsylvania, and they are actually showing the hearing and excerpts from it and what the president of the University of Pennsylvania said in that hearing. Let's listen to it. It's short, clip six. The accomplishment, yes or no, it is a context-dependent decision, Congressman. It's a context-dependent decision. That's your testimony today. I would have genocide of Jews based upon that context. Uh, is, if the decision becomes conduct, it can be harassment. Yes. Can be harassment. Yes. Conduct meaning committing the act of genocide? Does calling for the genocide of Jews violate the Penn's code of conduct when it comes to bullying and harassment? Yes or no? It is a context dependent decision, Congresswoman. It's a context dependent decision. That's your testimony today. Calling for the genocide of Jews is dependent upon the context. Uh, is if the yes or no? If the speech becomes conduct, all right, so if you couldn't understand, Elise was saying, you're saying that conduct that are calls for the genocide of Jews have to be, you have to consider the context, and that's basically that's what they were saying. Yeah, That's what she was saying, and I forgot that that was probably her finest moment, seriously, in a bunch of fine moments that, that she had yesterday. The idea that you need context for that, and you don't need context for all these other things. You need context for genocide of Jews. You know, I can I can be made speechless. I'm rarely speechless. But the, she, what she's saying is, she's asking the college presidents, do Jewish students have to get killed before you have the right context? What is the context? It's not enough to scream at them. It's not enough to have them hiding in the library. It's not enough to lock a a teacher in a closet. That's not enough. You have to actually kill them. That's our context. They have no answer. And at least one of those college presidents put out another statement and basically said, I was so thinking about the First Amendment yesterday when I was in the hearing that I made a mistake and I didn't focus correctly. What is that? More context. <laughs> that, uh, yes, well, now here's the thing. Uh, my understanding, uh, Shoshana, is that there is, there's definitely blowback. Uh, there are calls for the resignation yes. of Harvard President Claudine Gay. Uh, this University of Pennsylvania president is under fire now also. I think that the Board of Trustees is meeting there are big donors threatening to remove money. Am I leaving anything else out specific that you've read? No, those are all those things are all happening. They're all happening. Uh, has- I don't know how much difference it will make. Liz McGill, um, Penn's president, is the one who made a second video this morning about she was thinking about the First Amendment and you know the what. <laughs> I don't know well. if it's going to matter though. Yeah, You have an enormous amount, for example, of Chinese money in American universities. And some of us have been yelling for years about Confucius Institutes and Chinese money. Um, and the universities all say, yeah, but we need money. So we're not going to do anything for China. Yeah, they do. And now they're going to say, well, we don't do anything for Qatar. Yes, they do. But I don't know how you're going to get their money out of the U.S. Um, the higher education system. I don't know where you're going to get it. And by the way, I would say to you, the same teachings that allow 19-year-old college students to start yelling about Intifada and River to the Sea, this stuff is being taught in American K-12 schools as well. Oakland, California is starting um, to teach in its high schools about Palestine. They don't have civics education. They don't teach you the Constitution in Oakland. But they're going to teach kids about Palestine. 
So the problem is bigger and deeper and wider, even than that hearing showed you yesterday. You saw the tip of the iceberg. We are in bigger trouble than that. Shoshana, how do, I know the answer to this, but I have to ask you, as a Jewish American, uh, how this is affecting Jewish Americans. How is this affecting your your Americanism, your homes, your life here in America? Uh, how is this affecting the Jewish population here? In several ways. One of the interesting ways is that you see the American Jewish community coming together in ways that it had not before. Then again, the attendance is up. I will just say she'll be embarrassed. I have three daughters. You don't know which daughter this is. But one of my daughters now has Friday night dinner, Shabbat dinner, Sabbath dinner, with Jewish friends of hers where she lives because they want the Jewish communal feeling. They want to be connected to other Jews. Wow. Okay, and, and she is not alone. There is in the Jewish community a sense that we need to come together as Jews to figure out what our future looks like. Most of us, I believe, and this is certainly true for me, I believe in the United States. I do not believe we are going down the the road to perdition. I do not think that the United States is about to undergo some major transformation. Um, So I believe in our country and I believe in our future. But I would point out that at various times in American history, Jews have been the scapegoat for other things that happened. And I am concerned that it could happen again. Not long-term, not ultimately, but yes, I do think that American Jews can become scapegoats for other things and other unhappy people. Shoshana, I'm making an assumption that you are a religious Jew and that you celebrate Hanukkah. Am I assuming wrongly or rightly here? Rightly, rightly. <laughs> All right. Definitely so, Hanukkah, definitely. Can, yeah. can you, in closing, can you tell us what Hanukkah means uh, to Jew to to the Jewish people? And uh, yeah, that that first, what tell us what it means? How significant is it? Okay, Hanukkah is one of those holidays that means different things to different people. But essentially, when the Jews lived at one point in the Holy Land, in our land of Israel, many, many years ago, 2,000 years ago, there was an interest in assimilation into the Syrian Greek population. And the Greek Syrians were determined to assimilate the Jews into their culture. They wanted to erase Jewish culture in Judea, in Samaria, in the Jewish places. And there was a war over that. The Jews said, some of the Jews said, no, we won't assimilate, we won't give up, we won't give up our land. So first of all, for people who say Jews have no history in the land of Israel, sure we do. And Hanukkah is the holiday of that history, our connection to the land, our connection as a people in the land. And secondly, it's a call against assimilation. We are good Americans. I am a patriotic American. My kids have served in the military. We are good Americans, but we are also Jews. And nothing erases the Jewish heritage in me or my family or my ancestors, and I hope my children and my grandchildren. Hanukkah tells you to make sure that you remember that you're Jewish and that no one can take it from you and no one can erase you. Well, here during the season, which is Christmas for uh, for Christians, uh, Hanukkah is celebrated. So really, from my heart, Shoshana, I want to wish you as happy a Hanukkah as you and your family can have. And to any Jews listening across the world, uh, we are united as believers in Christ. I know that's anathema to some of you, but we believe that we are grafted into the same tree, but you are the branch. You are the tree. You are the apple of God's eye. And so we uh, join you in celebrating this holiday, this this. Hanukkah. So, Shoshana, it's been such a pleasure. Shoshana Bryan, she's with the Jewish Policy Center. Any practical thing, where can they find you, and what would you like to tell them quickly before we say goodbye here about the Jewish Policy Center? JewishPolicyCenter.org. You can find what we stand for, which is a strong America and close U.S.-Israel relations, JewishPolicyCenter.org. Okay, wonderful. And thank you, Sandy. I appreciate this opportunity. Oh, my pleasure. Shoshana, again, happy Hanukkah and Merry Christmas because you're an American too. So thank you for joining me and giving us. (laughs) And Merry Christmas too. (laughs) Thank you very much. Sandy Rios on Sandy Rios 24-7. This is Sandy Rios 24-7 on American Family Radio. Those of us that are believers in Christ, 
have taken on the mind of Christ, and God's Holy Spirit dwells within us. And when His Spirit is grieved, we are grieved too. And so that's why we are motivated to help preborn stop this, our own kind of slaughter here in the United States, our own kind of horrendous, inexplicable, unforgivable murder of babies. And what they do is they preborn along with us. We're us now, I guess. We work together to let these moms see the picture of their babies in utero. And most of the time, over half of them, there are different varying stats, but over half of them at least decide to keep their babies. Think about that. Think about that. And you can help by going to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy and making your most generous donation. Dr. Gay, a Harvard student calling for the mass murder of African Americans is not protected free speech at Harvard, correct? Our commitment to free speech... It's a yes or no question. Is that corrected? Is that okay for students to call for the mass murder of African Americans at Harvard? Is that protected free speech? Our commitment to free speech... It's a yes or no question. Let me ask you this. You are president of Harvard, so I assume you're familiar with the term intifada, correct? I've heard that term, yes. And you understand that the use of the term intifada in the context of the Israeli-Arab conflict is indeed a call for violent armed resistance against the state of Israel, including violence against civilians and the genocide of Jews. Are you aware of that? That type of hateful speech is personally abhorrent to me. And there have been multiple marches at Harvard with students chanting, quote, there is only one solution, intifada revolution, and, quote, globalize the intifada. Is that correct? I've heard that thoughtless, reckless, and hateful language on our campus, yes. So based upon your testimony, you understand that this call for intifada is to commit genocide against the Jewish people in Israel and globally, correct? I will say again, that type of hateful speech is personally abhorrent to me. Do you believe that type of hateful speech is contrary to Harvard's code of conduct, or is it allowed at Harvard? It is at odds with the values of Harvard. Can you not say here that it is against the code of conduct at Harvard? We embrace a commitment to free expression, even of views that are objectionable, offensive, hateful. It's when that speech crosses into conduct that violates our policies against bullying, harassment, Does that speech not cross that barrier? Does that speech not call for the genocide of Jews and the elimination of Israel? All right, so that again was, I wanted you to hear that again. That was Elise Stefanik, the congresswoman from New York, grilling Claudia Gay, who is the president of Harvard. We learned later in that clip that Harvard is the number one offender. It's the most anti-Semitic campus, and as the rankings go, on in the United States. I want to just say a few words before I bring uh, Bruce in. She's asked if she's heard of Intifada. Uh, she's the president of Harvard. Do you know what it means? Have you heard Intifada? And the answer is, I've heard that term. You mean to tell me all these protests are going on on her campus and these uh, all these horrible things happening to the Jewish students, and she doesn't she can't define intifada. I don't believe that for a minute. The disingenuous is dripping. Bruce, join me here because I'm sure you have a few things to say about this. The hypocrisy out of the mouths of Elizabeth McGill from. University of Pennsylvania. I think Joe Biden's. Uh, yeah, Penn alma Center. Mater, the by good the way, leftist thing is uh, China friendly. Uh, is there Claudine Gay from Harvard? Uh, I can pretty much guarantee you that if students were walking through their campuses and yelling for the elimination of African American students, gay students, trans students, Black Islamic students. students <laughs> There would be a response from these people that would make that would set their hair on fire, but uh, gee, when it's the Jewish students, um, not so much. When they when uh, Elizabeth McGill used the word context, it depends on the context. Depends on the context of what they're saying. Uh, it's shocking when Claudine Gay, the president of Harvard, talks about I've heard these things and they are personally abhorrent to me, 
Yeah, that doesn't mean anything. No, you know what that's like, Bruce? This is what uh, politicians used to say to get elected. They'd say, I am personally opposed to abortion, but, you know, it's not my place to stop yeah, it. And I'm not and going to do anything means. to stop that's it. Right. I'm not going to prevent that's right. it. Uh, that's exactly what you have here. And I think a lot of it is explained by what um, Shoshona talked about, about follow the money. And the Islamic groups have been pumping millions and millions of dollars into these universities. And you know what that buys? That buys loyalty. That buys uh, turning uh, a blind eye to things that you know are wrong. And I think that that's what we're seeing from Claudine Gay and Elizabeth McGill and the others. We're seeing a blind eye turned because money is, you know, if it's so personally abhorrent to you as the president, why don't you do something? Exactly. And w- well, what president doesn't get fired because something happens under their watch that's politically un- incorrect? And if they don't fight back or say something, they get, you know, you have to be removed. Uh, I, I, it I, happened I, under your watch. I thought nothing was more relevant than when um, Shoshona spoke about how just a few years ago, microaggressions <laughs> were being responded to with uh you know with hammer force by these universities you were kicked out of school if you didn't use somebody's p- correct pronoun you were kicked out of school if you didn't acknowledge that someone sitting in front of you that's got a beard and male parts that you didn't refer to that person as a female yeah. that that gets all the attention from these presidents yeah. And guess what? Because there's no money behind it. They're not losing anything if they stick up for these people. Well, I can't believe they said with a straight face, all three of them, that free expression, the First Amendment, is that what we stand for, Not as long as it's not conduct, because that is the biggest lie they ever told. Do they yeah. think we're that stupid? As you said, I covered this extensively. The whole lack of free speech, the anti-First Amendment movement on college campuses, and as you said, to point out, everyone will relate to this, calling people the correct pronouns, uh, you know, not using the improper words. The, the speech is violence. That's what they said. Speech yeah. is violence. But now suddenly they can't remember that because now they're the bastions of the First Amendment. Well, I'm telling you, based on what I'm reading and what uh, Shoshana said a few minutes ago, I think there's going to be some ba- – uh, there is backlash and there may be some real punishment for these pr- presidents. I hope so. I hope so. There should be. Um, these – these universities, um, later in the questioning uh, during the congressional hearings, um, some of the uh, presidents were asked about the number or the percentage of conservative <laughs> professors oh. that are on their faculty. And you know what? It was like 1% to 2%. Well, they wouldn't answer that. And in fact, one, <laughs> one of the presidents said, well, it was 2%, but we've undertaken this um, study so that we're... Uh, more sensitive more to di- diversity, and then the congressman asked, answered, "Yeah, but you've gone from two percent conservatives down to one percent since you did this yeah. study. Yeah. So that'll show you where these places are at." Yeah, the mockery too, the smugness on their faces—it's just amazing to me. Academia is out of control. Uh, I've said this many times. They—they they have really been one of the rails in our country that has been trying to destroy us uh, since the 60s, since I was a, since I was a student. Uh, this is an, a, an act of purpose. Uh, it's to destroy the country from within, to change the minds of our young people. And boy, have they done a good job. Congratulations, universities and colleges. So stop sending your kids there. Stop sending your kids. Stop bragging. Stop putting your bumper sticker on your car that you have a student at Harvard or wherever the other place is. Uh, don't do that. Use your mind. Stop being sucked into something that's going to end up coming back to destroy this country, and you will not be immune from the damage and the fallout from that. So uh, just be wise and be smart. Uh, Honey, thank you for joining me. Did you have one more thing? Well, I just want to remind people that when you hear people like that spokesman from CARE, remember what he said, Hamas has broken down the walls of their concentration camp. Think about that. that. And he's talking about that Hamas's actions are self-defense. Yeah. And when our government starts sticking their nose into the situation and telling Israel 
that they need to have ceasefires and that they need to allow humanitarian aid and they need to um, back off um, going after Hamas. Think about the treachery that people like this spokesman are perpetrating. Don't let them perpetrate it onto you. Let your government know we need to either stay out of this or support Israel and let them take care of their business. Yep, I agree, honey. Thank you for that word. All right, well, uh, thank you for listening today. I, I think that you will agree that these two last two uh, podcasts have been well worth your while and something that you will hopefully want to share with your friends and family so that they can also be informed because it's really hard, is it not, to figure out what's true in the news. It's very difficult, and we are pledged to bring you the truth as best we can know it every single day that we join you. Sandy Rios 24-7. You can call us at 662-821-2040. You can write us at sandy at net. You can find us on any of the um, social media platforms, any other podcast platform, net is our home base. SandyRios.com is our website. Uh, and you can listen to the show there as well. I want to thank in closing, our sponsors, preborn.com slash Sandy. And thank you in advance for trying to save more babies from that brutality and save their moms from making a horrific mistake. And I want to thank chministries.org slash Sandy. That's Christian Healthcare Ministries providing health care to you in a way that gives you freedom that perhaps you've never had before with your insurance. Go chministries.org slash Sandy. Well, thank you for listening to today's edition of Sandy Rios 24-7.